Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Memorial Day, you generally have a good idea of what your team is that year. At the beginning of the season, in spring training, in the offseason, let's go back six months, coming off of a, a another rough one for the Pirates. If you would have told me Memorial Day, they've got a run differential of zero and they're sitting at 500, I would have said, we're starting to turn the corner. Your, your, your rebuild is in motion. You've obviously found some guys who can play. You probably have some holes that will need to be addressed. And you're still waiting on some of your talent to get here. But you're winning games as much as you're losing them. And I would see that as a positive. Now, if you would have told me they jumped out way out there and were in first place by several games. And then fell back to earth. I would also say... It's an exciting thing to see this team, even if it's for a month, a month and a half, be the best team in their division and win because you have to learn how to win. And this is something that goes in steps. You don't go from 100 losses to winning the pennant. It just doesn't happen. And this is a slow build with a general manager who has to work within the confines of how his owner spends money. And so if you would have told me this is where we'd be at this moment, I would have said, okay, that makes sense. We probably are doing well in terms of getting to the next benchmark on the way to growing into some kind of a team that can contend year in, year out, and try to win championships. What What do you think right now? I mean, obviously, Chris, it's, it's somewhat disappointing because of the start that they had and how terrible this May has gone where – the hitting really isn't there. The pitching has fallen off, you know, injuries uh, to Vince Velasquez. I know that, you know, we weren't looking for much from him, but he was turning in some pretty good numbers when he was healthy. And yeah, the way that we got here. And I think when I talked to, to Jason Mackey last week, he, we kind of said the same thing. It's, we know what happened, but if you just set us down right here and said, you know, you're even 26 and 27 coming off a horrible loss, you know, to the San Francisco Giants where Rich Hill didn't pitch well, but Jack Sawinski became only the second player other than Barry Bonds to hit two balls in one game into McCovey Cove. 
I'd be like, and Tuka being Marcano hitting, I'd be like, you know what? Things, things are going pretty well here, but it's after like a, a heated exchange on Twitter surrounding Ben Charrington going on to his weekly, you know, show on the fan, 93.7, you know, I, I don't have the greatest feelings towards them, but this is Greg Brown. This is our, you know, our color analyst, our play-by-play guy, whatever, he's our announcer. And he asked Ben Sherrington saying, if the Pirates' internal projections had them over 500 through 51 games, which they were at that point. And Sherrington's just like, no. And I don't think many many others did either. I don't, Mine didn't. I, I, don't, I, didn't. I, don't mind I wasn't projecting that. him to do that. No. So, <laughs> like, so I said 500. I said 500 would be a great season coming off of the last couple of years. 500 in development of players. We looked at this rotation to start the year, and you have Rich Hill at the end of a career trying to show a little bit of veteran leadership, but he's not an ace. He's not somebody that you would expect to be an ace. On a, on a contending team, he'd be the fifth starter, maybe a four. And he, he was basically slotted to be the guy that was going to be an anchor while you waited to see whether or not Mitch Keller was real after he started to turn it on late in the season last year. And, and besides Contreras and Keller, there was nobody I was super excited about inside of the rotation. I just liked the fact that you put a veteran in there, Rich Hill, to take a little bit of pressure off. And then we were just going to see what happened with the rest of the guys that were out there. And, and it, so I think that that's, that's mind-boggling to me that people will sit there and say, well, what the heck? Like, we should be, we should be upset because of what's – look, be upset if they continue to lose and they end up 20 games under 500. I get that then. I'd be a little frustrated. I'll be a little frustrated if they if they basically now just fall off the face of the earth because for them to go and do that 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 means that the team can't recover and they have a lot more work that they have to do into next year. If they can just right the ship to the point where they play about 500 ball the rest of the year and they have a couple of good streaks and they maybe have a couple of bad streaks and we continue to see development and guys that are coming up, I would find that still to be a successful season because I don't think you walked into the season saying we're going to go compete for the pennant. I think that that would that's fool's gold. That those are fans where hope springs eternal every single year because that's their team and they and they love their team but they're not they're not understanding the difference in talent level on this team and the real contenders in Major League Baseball. And so like I mean like to me I I I that sounds to me like Ben Charrington saying we had a benchmark and we're exceeding the benchmark. We're actually ahead of schedule. That's a good thing because a lot of teams that would have been sitting there telling you, well, you know, it's not working out perfectly, but development isn't linear. And, you know, we could be we could be at the benchmark in a couple of months and time will tell and just like deflected the question. No, what he told you was we're outperforming where our benchmark was in this very long term plan. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And Chris and, and I if I had to look at the schedule, I mean. Everybody thought that the, the White Sox were for real, and, and we go in and we sweep them. We, you know, beat St. Louis when they're down. We go into Colorado. We knock them around. We go to Cincinnati when they're bad. The Dodgers had tons of injuries. The, the Nationals, 20-8, and eight, like, not saying that, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, you have to beat the teams that you're put in front of you. But then you play Tampa Bay, Toronto, Baltimore, Arizona, who's outperforming. Texas, who had, you know, the number one offense in, in Major League Baseball right now. Seattle, who's 
you know, was a pretty good team last year and, and has a pretty good pitching staff. Let's, I'm almost, I hate to say it, I want to see what we do against St. Louis now that they are kind of like building back up again. Oakland. The oh, yeah, you're going to beat Oakland. You got to be, that's the thing though. You got to say that. We said this a month ago. Didn't we say this a month ago? We were sitting there after the first month and we were all happy. And, and we pointed out right here on the show, this is going to be a difficult May. You're going to play some really good teams. If you are still above 500 when you get to the end of the month, if you're still playing at this level, now you start thinking to yourself, maybe we got magic. But you were kind of expected them to run into a buzzsaw here, and they did. What's happened is their holes in their lineup are exposed. Their holes in their rotation are exposed. The things that they need to do to go to the next level are right there in front of you. They're undeniable. The only question will become, is there a long-term plan in the front office to figure out how to do it? And will Bob Nutting open up the wallet enough when it's time to go out and fill some of those holes in free agency? But now when you get to the Cardinals to kick off uh, June and you look at the A's coming right after them and you see later on in the month you get the Cubs, a team that you should be able to outclass and you should be able to sit there on the field and play head-to-head with the Brewers. We're going to go Cubs, Brewers, Cubs. You've got, you've got, a, you've got teams on this in, on this schedule in this month where you can I believe they could end up playing 500 to a couple games over 500 this month. If they fall off in this month, if they continue to fall off a cliff in this month, that would be a little concerning to me because you're trying to build a winning culture. But you got to take it a series at a time. Try to win series and and try to learn and try to figure out who the guys are that you really rely on here by the end of the year, and who are the guys that need to be replaced in the offseason, and who you might be moving at a trade deadline if an opportunity presents itself. And is there somebody out there at a trade deadline that you could sit there and say, okay, we're going to go grab this player, not because we're trying to make it to the postseason, but because we think we can get this player, we can hold on to him for a couple of years, we can sign him, we can extend him, and that's how we're going to go get him, right? But you, you now wait for the opportunities while you're watching your team learn how to win. Yeah, and coming up with reasons, you know, why the pirates are losing and saying, it's like, well, get Josh Palacios, you know, off, off the roster, man, the guy has 25 plate appearances in, in the month of May and he has performed well. He has a, a, a seven ninety five OPS, but he's not the reason why you're either winning or losing games, you know, making Chris Owings to be like one of the scapegoats. Chris Owings has 21 plate appearances and has not performed very well. He's not the reason that you're losing these games. Cabrian Hayes and his 92 plate appearances where he has an OPS that is sitting right at like 592. Carlo, yeah, I hate that. Carlos Santana with his 93 plate appearances and an OPS that is right below that at like 545. Those are the reasons why you're losing. People saying, you know, Jack Swinsky's a streaky hitter. I don't care if Jack Swinsky's a streaky hitter. His OPS in the month of May is 745. That's going to be above league average. That's above average. Yeah. That's above league average. And he, I want to say he, league average. I think I looked it up the other day. League average is somewhere in the 720 range. Yeah. So it's above league average. And he's a guy that gives you the potential that he's going to hit two out on Friday night and then two out again on, on Monday. He gives you that power potential. So you almost have to live with you know, his streakiness, but when it comes down to it on average, 
He is an above average baseball player. The reason that you're struggling is because, I mean, you wanted to see Luis Ortiz. You want to see, you know, Johan Oviedo have a run. And I did as well. But their whips right now are sitting in like the 1.60 to 1.70 range. That's not good. You know, you only have Mitch Keller as like the only starting pitcher that has what would be you know, and he would probably be an, a one or a two on most staffs at this point in time with his whip that's in the like 0. 0.08 range for uh, a point zero point eight range for the month of May. Nobody else has that. Ronzi Contreras, before Vince Velasquez came back and hurt his arm, they were moving him to the bullpen to get him to kind of reset himself the same way they did with Mitch Keller last year because he has a, a 1.44 whip for the month of, of, of May. His velocity's down. He's not hitting his spots. And they kind of wanted to get him to reset. So you're getting to see all this stuff. I just don't know where like people would think that uh, the, the two, like the most ridiculous thing I could start with that is somebody saying like, why haven't we traded for somebody at this point to fill the holes? And then thinking that you could bring up Henry Davis, which, I, I mean, Henry Davis is still playing well down in double-A. I'm hoping that he continues to play well down in double-A. Where does he play? Where do you put him when he comes up? Because it doesn't sound like he's a catcher. No, and, and it, so, it would, so where are you putting him? It would be right field and DH, and right field would probably take at bats away from Sawinski, and then DH would take at bats away from McCutcheon, who have been two of your, like, three best hitters in the month. And you don't replace, I don't care what the prospect's pedigree is. I don't care what a guy's hitting in double A. I don't care where he was drafted at. You don't replace a guy who's actually above average in his hitting just to replace him. Henry Davis has to get up there. And then when he gets up there, he's he even if he gets off to a hot start, the league will adjust to him when they get film on him. And then he'll have to readjust and there'll be all kinds of growing pains. He's not like something you just plug in and all of a sudden you start winning a bunch of games. It's just not how it works. You know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't work that way on any team, any franchise. You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine today, and I said, uh, and I, we were talking about baseball teams and building teams and, you know, what teams do all over the, the country and, and all across Major League Baseball. And one of, the, one of the biggest mistakes I think that front offices will make is that they will get a player. They like their pedigree. They like, uh, they, they like their potential. They've seen him do some incredible things out there, and they look at their big board for two years from then or even that season, whenever it is that they're expecting that they want to bring him in and, and put him in that spot. And they write him in there in permanent marker. They don't pencil him in. They write him in there with permanent marker. And then they start worrying about log jams behind him. Well, we really don't need any more shortstops because we've got our shortstop. We really don't need another center fielder because we've got our center fielder. As if injuries don't occur or prospects don't pan out, or largely hyped guys just don't turn out to be expect what you expect them to be. Like, look, we saw that incredible quick season for Cabrian Hayes. We look at what he's doing right now. Do you know for sure what he is yet? Because I don't. If the Pirates were to sit there and say, well, he's our third baseman for the next five years, we're not really even going to worry about having anybody else who could possibly play that position at a higher level than him. We're not going to worry about doing it because that would be a log jam. Because he's never getting out of the way. That would be the wrong way to look at it. This team needs to continue to build depth. And this team needs to be at a point 
where if you're a guy down in the minors, you've got to fight your way into a spot, and then you've got to hold the spot. That's what the best teams do. And it's okay for Henry Davis right now to kind of be stuck down there and keep working on his stuff. I don't think he shows up all of a sudden and changes what's going on this season that drastically. You know, I mean, what, even if he's worth two wins above replacement, is that going to make, be the difference at this point where your team is sitting? If he comes up as a rookie, if he comes up as a rookie, he's worth four wins above replacement. I don't think it really changes what's going to happen to your team this year. Yeah, I mean, even like when O'Neill Cruz came up last year and, and towards the end, like, you know, lit the world on fire. I mean, we still end up being a, a hundred loss team. It's, it's not, you know, one, we're not one player away from being able to turn around, you know, some of these wins you're three pitchers away, maybe two, right? Like if you if you have a guy on here that you think is a, a fifth starter, but you got you're, you're two to three pitchers away in your starting rotation. That you're, that's a real thing, and you're going to have to figure out who replaces the aging veterans that you use to plug holes this year, because Carlos Santana at first base or in the lineup wherever you end up putting him, okay, wherever you're moving him around to, that 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 isn't an answer, right? Like that that isn't a long term solution to anything. You have things you have to continue to build in this team. And that's why Ben Sherrington's talking about, oh, we're a little ahead of schedule. Because if he really thought, if he, really, if he walked into this season, Craig, and he thought that this is a team that not only should be above 500 out of the gate, but that was contending for something, I wouldn't want to be my general manager anymore because he's in la-la land and he's not a realist and he's going to screw this up. I like a realist. You have to be a realist. You have to be cutthroat and you have to be a realist. And you have to understand you need more. Because I would rather have too many arms and too many guys that play these positions, especially the very skilled positions, than be sitting there saying, well, this is our guy, and if he doesn't work out, I guess we're screwed. But this is our guy. Yeah, and and to the other point, Chris, when they're talking about, you know, trades, when somebody mentioned that, I'm, I just thought to myself, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look to see, like, when the biggest trades in April and May were. And the last trade, big trade that happened in the month of April or May was whole, the whole way back at the end of the 1990s when Mike Piazza went to the Mets. So it's not like, you know, any team that's gotten off to a hot start or any team that's even going to try to add is going to add in the month or they're going to either subtract in, in the month of, of April and May. And, and two teams that, you know, have had pretty bad, I mean, the, the A's are on a historic, you know, bad April and May. Like, who are you realistically going to pluck from from that team that is performing that poorly that you could put then into your lineup and improve it that much? And and who knows if the A's, the A's are like, even at that point, are they going to trade somebody? Everybody said, you know, when Tim Anderson said he wasn't happy in a Chicago White Sox uniform, they're like, well, you know, we need a shortstop. So, so we should at least, you know, prove that we're, you know, we care and we're going to try and go win. Well, I guarantee you the White Sox, if they're saying, okay, we're giving you Tim Anderson, the first names, like at the very least that are probably coming out of their mouths is Quinn Priester, possibly Tamar Johnson. And they could say, you have two catchers. We want one of them. Oh, yeah. I think that's what they would do. If you take a look at that roster right now and their problems that they have, they need pitching, and they're going to want somebody that could be ready as soon as next year or somebody they can sell their fan base on if they're going to get rid of They built their entire marketing thing around him in Chicago, right? Like, he's off to a bad start this year, and he was dealing with an injury, if you know anything about him, and you, you, you keep track of players outside in different markets. But I, I, I was talking to somebody about him the other day, and they said, you know, he... After he won the batting title, 
if you take his batting average and compare it to all other batting averages in the American League, since he won the batting title, he has the highest average. Even after the, after the slow start. That's a pretty high-level player you want to bring onto your team. You're going to have to pay for that. <laughs> like like they when they when they traded when they did their big sell off back in the middle of the last decade they they were traded when they made a trade and they gave up one of their really good players they brought back guys that were sitting on the MLB pipeline list and they were getting two or three of them in the top 50 for those players that's what they would be looking for for a guy who you'd have another year of control of if you acquired him right now and again they're not making that trade right now they're not going to do that right now okay nobody's making that trade that early that's crazy I get it. I get the urge to improve your team and get better and, and, and the need to do it quickly. I want to get the trade season too. I want to start looking at what, what could be possibly moved. But remember, you're never getting anything for free. If you want something good, you're going to have to pay a premium for it. That's why when you do a build, you build a lot of players and a lot of talent and a lot of p- potential so you can actually go into that trade market and make moves. But there's no way you're going to do it all with trades either. You're going to need your owner to open up the wallet at some point and buy a pitcher. And I'm not talking about a pitcher that just eats innings. Like a real pitcher is going to have to be added into this team, if not to him. You're going to have to spend money at some point. And you're going to, and you're going to have to be ready to make a free agent acquisition if you are thin on depth at a position and you need to improve that position. Right? You're going to, and that's why the benchmark you're ahead of right now, because that does not get all done in one season. You're not playing a video game. You're not, you're, not, you're not able to go in and just spend, like just make 40 trades. It, it, it doesn't work there. It's not fantasy baseball, Craig. It's not what it is. Yeah, and they're saying, well, you know, go out and like acquire another bullpen arm. Well, to me, the bullpen's not even the problem. You have a couple like, you know, pieces that are, you know, you got your weak links and like, you know, a, a Dwayne Underwood Jr. who was DFA'd, a Robert Stevenson, you know, who is struggling. But... It, they're like probably the strength on your team right now. David Bednar, Jose Hernandez, Dowry Moretta, Johan Ramirez, Colin Holderman. I mean, that's like, you know, five strong guys who all have whips on the season that are, you know, below a 1.19. Like, yeah, like, that's a good, that's a good group right there. Yes. That's a good group. That's a group that doesn't put a lot of guys on base. That's what you need. Yeah, so I, I don't know like how you think that anybody's going to trade for anybody or that bringing one guy up or trying to fill certain holes. Like, no, you're, some of the guys that you need, like and a Cabrian Hayes, is, is struggling immensely. That That's why you're losing games. He, yeah, he may not work out, right? Like, he may, he may not work out. You may have guys that don't work out here. And, you know, let's be honest. Henry Davis, what are they working him out at right now? Outfield? That's what they're thinking that they're bringing up putting him in. They're giving him like two days a week in the outfield, and they're catching. Have they given the him any time, time at first? Have they given him any time at first base? No, and that's the other thing people say is it's like, oh yeah, bring up Henry Davis and, and just put him at first base, and it's like number one. I guess you think that any human being in the world can play first base in the major leagues, and I think over the past couple years, the Pirates have proven. That isn't the case. If you want to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a comparison here and people are going to lose their minds. Josh Van Meter couldn't hit, but he also couldn't play first base. Henry Davis doesn't know how to play first base. So if you want a repeat of like Josh Van Meter, like forgetting to step on first base while catching the ball, that's what Henry Davis will do. So, I mean, like, so you can't play him at first base. You would play him in right field. You'd probably play him one day a week at catcher. The rest of the time he would be at DH. 
McCutcheon had played in the field this weekend for the first time in like a month and a half because he's older. He's a, he's basically become a DH at this point in time. So you're going to take it bats away from him. So realistically, I think you could probably get Henry Davis into, I don't know, three to four games a week at this point in time. There's a point, there's a point where you could, you could say, I'm we're going to bring him up. I mean, you could make the argument, Craig, you could make the argument that if we're really not expecting to win anything this year, then why not just give the kid at bats? Why do we care what Andrew McCutcheon does? See, that's the thing. You could sit there and say, look, we like Kutch. Great. But, like, he's not the long-term plan. So, why not give this, if the kid's ready, but you don't force him up here until you're sure he's ready. That would be the other caveat to it, right? Like, if there becomes a point in time where you have to find at bats for a guy who's pushing to come up, and it's time to sit down the aging veteran who's not really part of the long-term plan, then I could see you doing it. But you want to make sure that you're not rushing him up here. Like, the idea of rushing him up here because he's going to save the team, that doesn't make any sense to me. It, 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 the idea of getting him up here and getting him major league at-bats so that he's impactful in future years, if that takes away from a veteran, then I can see it. I could see that argument very easily. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. I, I want to get to something before we get out of here, because I want your take on it, if you don't mind. Oh, I, I want to talk something other than Pirates, so hopefully it's not All a right, question let, about let, the Pirates. I, I, want, I want to get your take on this. Uh, our fantasy baseball league, it's a dynasty fantasy baseball league. Craig's in it. He got his second win of the season this past week. Congratulations to you. You're tied in last place. That's big news. It's big news for your team. Uh, and, uh, and I was alerted over the weekend to an issue with a brand new team. So this is the team that you're tied with in last place. And they, their, their team name is the Astros Trash Can. Great name. Yeah, it's a solid, solid fantasy baseball name. And it's run by two cousins who are teenagers that are in the league and they're just learning how to do one of them's just learning how to do fantasy baseball. The other one has been in leagues for years, but the one that's been in leagues for years has basically just stopped caring about the team. They got off to a bad start and he just basically stopped caring about the team. He's got other fantasy baseball leagues. And even though it's a dynasty, it's right. It's a dynasty league. And he's just basically has moved on. He was all talk. He begged to get into the league and now he's not paying any attention. The other guy has no idea what he's doing. He's just constantly like just trying to figure it out, but he doesn't want to quit. He's kind of getting into it. He's just trying to figure it all out. So we have a rule that if you, you get two injured list spots on your 40 man roster, 
but they must be on the injured list in Major League Baseball. If they're not, they have to be put back on your regular bench. Now, technically, that's an illegal roster if you've got somebody who's not on the injured list sitting on your injured list. The, the CBS Sports did not notice the problem. Jose Altuve came off. It's funny, too, because their Astros trash can and the second baseman's Jose Altuve. Great. <laughs> okay, so, Jose Altuve comes off the injured list late in the week, right before the next week starts. And they don't take him off the injured list. On the other hand, Dustin May goes on the injured list on basically the same day Altuve is coming off, actually the day beforehand. And they don't change their lineup and start Dustin May as one of their five starting pitchers oh, for the geez. week. So they take a zero on a guy that should be on the injured list, and they bench a guy who gets to like six fantasy points. He has a bad, bad week, but he would have been a starter. He would have started in their in in their spot there. So I looked at the thing. So the guy who the guy who they played gets beat by thirty five points. Like he gets trounced. They beat him with one pitcher tied behind their back, and they they just. And, and they don't have the, they don't have the lineup right, but they they beat him. When I look at what would have happened if they would have had the legal roster, they beat him by more points. If they take any other pitcher and put him in the spot where Dustin May was, they score anywhere between seven to thirty more points. Any other pitcher, so they're up. And if they replace Altuve in the second base spot, their second baseman got three, and Altuve got six, so they're still up three points. The net three. So even though they screwed up and messed up the entire thing, they beat the guy so badly that if they wouldn't have screwed up, they would have beaten him more. And that guy wants us to zero out the game so he gets the win because the roster was illegal. I mean, I see his point based on the rules, but I also see the point of that, I mean you got to have at least a little bit of leeway that if somebody makes that type of mistake, brand new team, brand new team that never and, played before and never played before. doesn't and, affect the outcome of the game. And it doesn't affect the outcome of the game. I can't see how you can say, especially since if they would have, you know, made the moves they, they should have made to make it a legal roster. Like they should have, like Dustin May should have been on the IL Altuve say he's even on the bench and they put any other starting pitcher in and they win by more. I, I honestly don't see how. Yeah, but it's in the rules. Like it, it's, But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the point that I tried to make. The point that I tried to make was. If we give this person a win. He is in a better position to make the postseason down the line. He gets a win that he never would have gotten out of the whole thing. And it could change who makes it into the playoffs. On the other hand, these kids are in last place. They're not going anywhere. I'm not doing this to give them a win. You understand what I'm saying? Like I'm actually hurting them because by giving them the win, they have, uh, they're going to end up drafting later. So it actually hurts them. I'm, be I'm benefiting their long term. Cause they're not making a the playoffs. They're such a bad team. There's no way they're catching up. Okay. So I'm actually, hurting them by lowering their 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 opportunity to have the number one overall draft pick the next year to go get free agents that are out there. And I'm protecting all the other teams so that somebody doesn't get a cheap win that they wouldn't have gotten anyway, and then possibly leapfrog them and get into the postseason later on. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, that was how I looked at it. Like, you have to think about all the other teams in the league and how they get affected by this thing. When in reality, if these new kids would have just done what they were supposed to do, they win anyway, right? And so it's like, I'm get, that's why I didn't want to give a win. That was, I mean, but, you know, I think that, that's why I brought it up to you because, like, I th- you know, I think like everybody else I've talked to has said, I get what you're saying, Chris, except for the one guy who wants, oh, he wants a cheap win is what he wants. He wants a cheap win. He wants a cheap win. And here's my thing is I would say that if it in any way affected the outcome of the game, obviously you would have to make, you know, but I don't know how something like that, that specific example would ever affect the outcome of the game. Like, ex- right. except if the guy, you know, if, if the guy lost by, I don't even know. I mean, playoffs, playoffs, fine. I, I We'll go letter of the law on playoffs, right? If you really want to do something like that. But here, what you're doing is you're affecting all the other teams in the league that are in a pennant race. And you're giving a win to somebody who would have lost no matter how the whole thing fell. Right. And, and that's, that's the thing. You're, you're, you're harming teams that weren't involved in it. And you're really not giving a benefit to the team that actually got the win because they're not going anywhere this year. They suck. They're as good as you. Do you think you're going anywhere, Greg? No. I, dude, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm... In fact, it benefits you for me to give them the win because you may get that number one overall draft choice if you could just come in last again this year. Yeah, but I screw up that number one overall pick every time, time anyway. So. All the time. All the time. All the time. You know what's funny is, is listening to you say to people, we don't need this prospect yet. But yet in fantasy baseball, you're so in love with prospects, you don't even feel the, a competitive team. Like you love the potential. Like what, what you hate the most about what Pirates fans do, where they're like, it's time to bring up so-and-so and just plug them in there, right? And that's going to change our fortune. What you hate the most on this show is exactly how you act in fantasy baseball. And you lose all the time. And that's why I'm trying to figure out if psychologically that's why you hate it so much because you can't help yourself but do that, and then you and then you feel silly, and that's why you get mad at Pirates fans. I, I think Chris, yeah, it's just like it's the I don't know, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. <laughs> now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say